Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's the morning show on 95.3 WBCK. And here's Tim Collins. Good morning. It's 810. Coming up, we'll do some movie previews from our friends at Celebration Cinema. And we'll tell you about some things going on at our Willard Library downtown as school gets back into full swing, at least we hope. A lot of discussion about broadband everywhere, but especially here in Calhoun County where our Calhoun County Board of Commissioners has appointed a broadband committee to study the issue and make recommendations on how to get broadband to everybody who needs it in our county and what the best ways are to do that. Phil Kirpin is with us. He is with AmericanCommitment.org and has written some interesting uh, pieces about the subject, uh, broadband, and Phil is with us right now. Good morning, Mr. Kirpin. It's nice to have you with us. Uh, good morning. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Tell us first, what uh, is American Commitment all about? Well, we're a national free market advocacy group. We work really on all of the fiscal, economic, and regulatory issues, and we try to focus on the fights that are sort of on the margin that could go in either direction and uh, get a little bit of citizen engagement and education and try to tip some of those fights in a more free market direction. And all our stuff is on the website, AmericanCommitment.org. You know, as I look at this issue of broadband, uh, you know, everybody's screaming, oh, it's the most important need that we've ever had. It's the most serious, most important thing that we get everybody uh, free Internet. Um, it, it, it reminds me of a discussion a couple of years ago about health care. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, I think the biggest difference is that I would say that the free market approach with broadband has worked a lot better than our healthcare system was working pre-Obamacare, and it wasn't really much of a market system in healthcare. It was a very government-heavy system, and they made it even more government-heavy. And you know, what's really distinguished the U.S. approach to broadband uh, compared to most other countries is. Uh, we never really had a monopoly. Most countries, they had their telephone monopoly and it became the internet monopoly. And so it was sort of a regulated monopoly kind of thing. In the U.S., we had the cable industry, which the rest of the world really didn't have. And therefore, uh, most of the broadband development in most places, not everywhere, but in most places in the U.S. has been characterized by this incredible competition between the phone guys and the cable guys where they just pour in hundreds of billions of dollars of private investment to compete on price and compete on features and compete on speed and they advertise constantly and offer specials to try to steal customers back and forth between each other and we've really benefited from that private competition enormously it was never more clear than last year when so many things that were normally offline moved online and there's this huge surge 
in video traffic, and other than a hiccup here or there, uh, we, we really handled it fine. Our Internet handled that uh, with no difficulty past that stress test as compared to a lot of other countries where they had to throttle traffic, including most of Europe, as a result of that. And so uh, I, I really see broadband as this remarkable free market success story by and large, and I think it's really important that as governments like yours try to reach, you know, the small percentage of people that might not have broadband, maybe because it's a remote location or for whatever reason, uh, just they, they sort of, they, that market competition has sort of left them out. We do it consistent with market principles, and we do it through an open and transparent bidding process, and we do it through the private sector as opposed to saying we're going to build it through government and have all the problems we've had with things like water and sewer and roads and bridges. Well, and, you know, a couple of things. One, yeah, I live in a rural area, and terrible Internet. I was very frustrated for a long time, but now all of a sudden I have several choices and actually pretty happy uh, you know the price is coming down the service is getting better all the time and I expect to have a couple of more options available pretty soon and it is not a result of government in any way well what we're seeing is um, technology is making reaching areas that were more challenging before more, more doable and uh, you know the We've got a lot of independent wireless internet service providers that have popped up. Elon Musk is launching a satellite system. You've got uh, Microsoft has their TV white space technology. And it's interesting that as, and, and, you know, just regular cell phone wireless as the networks have gotten more advanced, you know, you can watch movies and do other streaming things where it becomes more of a substitute and a competitor to, to wired service. And what we've noticed in a lot of areas is that the same companies that said, oh, we can never build wires out there, the economics don't work. Well, when they start to face competition, suddenly they figure out they can. And they make it work somehow, and they, they string them on. Have you noticed that? Absolutely. So, you know, I think that, so I, I think that uh, you have a really good point, and uh, you know, there are probably far fewer areas left behind than we think. And that's one of the problems with the way the Democrats are approaching this issue is they're not building an objective map first and finding the areas that are unserved and figuring out how to reach them, they're just kind of deciding on sort of a political basis. They just have formula grants and they're sending money out to the states and localities and the states and localities, if they don't do this the smart way themselves and build maps and, and uh, do it through a competitive bidding process, you know, they're going to end up overbuilding areas that already have service and, and uh, you know, they're going to end up wasting a lot of money. Right. They're going to look at areas where they think they can get the most votes, and that's going to be urban inner city areas. Maybe throw in a free refrigerator just uh, for good measure to get extra votes, and uh, and voila. But uh, here in Calhoun County, <clears throat> we have a Calhoun County board and county in general where things are more balanced. And so they have to pay attention to those underserved rural areas as well as the underserved urban areas and try to come up with a plan that's going to help the whole county. But, you know, the thing that... Uh, that this is what I would recommend. This is what I would recommend. Mm-hmm. There is a massive amount of federal money for this stuff right now. you you got to do it in the correct order, which is to say you build an objective map first with, with objective third-party data. You don't trust the carriers. Uh, you figure out exactly where you have the holes in the coverage map. And then you do a transparent, open bidding process where you have the carriers that are willing to build out to these areas bid on how much subsidy they would need to do it. And you go with the one that has the best bid. 
so that you don't spend any more tax dollars than you need to, and you reach those those people that have been left out. And right now, our broadband committee here in Calhoun County is engaged in a survey to try and put together enough data to figure out where those holes are. Uh, you know, using information from the carriers maybe as a supplement, from my understanding, but they're really trying to use this survey to pinpoint a more accurate picture of what we're looking at. You know, Phil, the thing that worries me is uh, we have the we have these independent entrepreneurs in our area. There's one guy down in my area who's figured out a way. He used to work for the big cable company, and he used to work for a satellite dish company, and now he makes a living on his own getting people hooked up to the internet with some really creative ways i mean like they're putting a like a uh, an antenna on top of a farm silo to relay signal uh off of somebody's um, um a fiber connection uh not too far away and and there's another guy that i know that has organized neighborhoods to get together and share the cost of trenching in fiber just far enough off the uh, county right away so that the county doesn't have any claim to it and uh, running it through people's yards and then sharing that fiber internet i mean there these are the kind of things that uh, government subsidies are just going to kill yeah i definitely agree with that you know nobody can compete with free and so uh, once the tax resources start flowing some of the best most entrepreneurial people out there find themselves at a massive disadvantage and you know i think it's really important for that reason uh, that if you do decide you want to subsidize something, and you know that's generally not the greatest idea, but if you do decide it's a policy matter you want to do it, got to be an open bidding process that is not overly bureaucratic to where you know only the big guys have the lawyers to be able to participate in it. Talking with Phil Kirpin from American Commitment. Go to AmericanCommitment.org. You can read some of uh, his uh, stuff on this, and we'll be back and talk about the issue more here in just a moment. Trading involves. Phil Kirpin is with us, president of American Commitment, and uh, my copy says author of, and, and then it, it runs out. Uh, you've got a book out, right, Phil? Oh, no, that was 10 years ago. That probably should be out of the bio. <laughs> uh, you know, I wrote I wrote this book 10 years ago. It was sort of disappointing in sales, and I've never, uh, never gotten up the, uh, uh, I don't know. Well, let's go back 10 years to the Obama administration. Yeah. You know, when they were addressing broadband and, I mean, they were a doom and gloom. Oh, you're going to get one company that's going to be a monopoly. You'll be at their mercy. You know, really need to let government take care of this for you. And how did that end up? Well, they were completely wrong. You know, their prediction was that the cable company was the only people who could provide broadband and the phone guys would never be able to compete. And, you know, the total opposite has happened over the last 10 years. Uh, the phone guys laid a lot of fiber, they upgraded their wireless networks dramatically, they, you know, they fought back pretty effectively. Uh, and, you know, and then cable fought back, upgraded their own speeds and so forth. We've had this sort of virtuous competition. So uh, the Obama guys were completely wrong. They said the Internet was a monopoly, cable was the only game in town, they were going to regulate it if they didn't have very strict public utility-type net neutrality regulation, and the Internet would be destroyed forever. Uh, you might remember the, the Trump FCC repealed those regulations and literally nothing happened after the Democrats said it would be like the apocalypse. And uh, specifically about this idea of subsidizing broadband, they, they spent a lot of money under Obama, too. And they said, we're going to reach these remote rural areas that haven't had service. And, you know, the money didn't go to those areas. Uh, it ended up being politically targeted and mostly was spent 
uh, in cities that already had service and pretty ineffectually. And in particular, a lot of it was used to build government-owned networks. And then, unsurprisingly, governments were not competent to run those networks. So they ended up having big operating losses and shutting them down or selling them. And so, you know, the, 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 they, much of what they're saying now has already been tried and failed, and yet they don't seem to have learned the lesson from that. You know, uh, interesting story about that uh, broadband push 10, 12 years ago, whatever it was. And they put a whole bunch of money out there to fund uh, Internet in different places. And so they're out there in my neighborhood, which is basically farm fields. They're out there trenching in um, uh, fiber cable. And uh, they're moving along kind of slowly, but they're kind of getting an in. And then all of a sudden, I notice they're out there on a Sunday night, pitch black, working their butts off to try and finish this project. And uh, it's still sitting in the ground 10, 12 years later. It has never been hooked up to a single house. Uh, and I asked an old veteran uh, that worked uh, for the phone company. He came out one day to repair a cable. And I said, hey, what's going on with that fiber? And he says, oh, they uh, ran out of time and they didn't get to the last house on the street, two houses. And the government said they're not allowed to use it unless they serve uh, all 100% of the area. So it's just sitting there. Uh, I'd like to say that that's not typical, but it's pretty common in these government programs to do completely irrational things. And I kind of wonder when, what went into the decision to bury it in the first place. I assume that the power service is on uh, poles there, which is probably would have been much cheaper and faster to run it aerially. So it's, uh, you know, they started with a weird decision that made it much more expensive and time-consuming than it probably had to be, and then they didn't complete it, and then they got zero for the taxpayer dollars. So it's uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they study and how this can go wrong. The, the interesting thing, though, out in my rural area is that uh, the, there's 3G and 4G now available with the new innovations in, in cell phone technology that's that's available to be uh, sold to a third party. So you have these third parties saying, yeah, we'll buy your extra 3G or 4G and we'll resell it. And they do so uh, rather cheaply. And so it's been a great alternative for people in rural areas where there are no wires to get Internet. And uh, that's the kind of free market stuff that I worry that's going to fall by the wayside if all of a sudden we decide to come in and fix all this with government. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of COVID dollars for that, but there's a big problem there, right, Phil? Yeah, you know, the uh, the $350 billion that was in the $1.9 trillion COVID bill for states and localities, uh, it's got... You know, it, you can use it almost for anything. There's some things, there's some restrictions. You're supposedly not allowed to use it for tax cuts, although some judges have said that's unconstitutional, and there are a couple other restrictions. But, you know, one of the recommended uses is for broadband. But, you know, whether we're talking broadband or whether we're talking about spending it on education or whatever localities decide to do with that money, the big challenge is, you know, how do you spend a massive amount of one-time federal money uh, without incurring future obligations that are going to force you to raise taxes in a couple of years. And that, that's more challenging than you might think. Yeah, Everything that seems like one-time spending, you know, it usually has some sort of maintenance component to it, and, and you really need to think about that because uh, the dollar amounts are so staggeringly large that it seems like you can do anything, um, but it's going to be gone in a couple of years. And, yeah. and then what? 
Yeah, and even if they use it in technology, the technology changes so quickly that, you know, a couple of years down the road, it might be completely obsolete. And uh, Yeah, you know, that's another issue with this administration on broadband. They seem really, really obsessed with fiber in particular. And, you know, fiber's great, but you, you don't know if that's going to end up being, you know, the be-all and end-all. Every previous be-all and end-all hasn't been, and there's been something after. And, you know, particularly... Uh, as the wireless technologies have improved so dramatically, as you pointed out, uh, it could potentially seem incredibly silly to have spent a fortune of taxpayer dollars stringing fiber lines out somewhere if we have, at some point, you know, some other technology that's better and faster and doesn't need wires. It needs a different wire, and, uh, you know, you've got something off the leaf. So I think any of these policies, in my mind, should be technology neutral. They should, there should be an objective to serve people at a particular speed or whatever it is, but otherwise you, you take a competitive bidding process and you don't force the technology. Check it out at AmericanCommitment.org. Phil Kirpin's the president of that organization. Phil, thanks a lot for giving us a little of your time today. All right, have a good one. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.